And with that, I would like to introduce my guest. He is, he is Dr. Peter Kingsley. He is one of today's most skilled revisionists in the historical philosophy behind the ancient Greece and origins of the Western civilization. He's a graduate of King's College at Cambridge University. He is also a fellow of the Warburg Institute in London and has been awarded honorary professorships from several universities. And his translations and reinterpretations of the ancient pre-Socratic writings of the great philosophers reveal a spiritual legacy, every bit as mystical-oriented as Eastern traditions that are at the roots of Western civilization. However, the misinterpretation of their writings over the millennia, beginning with Plato and Aristotle, has resulted in an aberration of what was a profound spiritual legacy developed into the materialistic, reductionistic culture we have today. He is the author of The Dark Places of Wisdom and Reality, as well as Ancient Philosophy, Myth, and Magic. Nice to have you with us today. Hello, Gary. I want to begin with a... uh, a comment and see if you can tie the comment into taking us back. And and for this audience, I want to go back. I want to go back before Socrates. I want to go back, uh, at least before Aristotle. I, I want to go back maybe to the 6th century B.C. in southern Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Velia, a colony of the Greek uh, city. And... Uh, I want us to take a look at one of the great minds. In fact, the the man who was considered the father of logic and the father of Western rationalism, who many believe has been misunderstood. And let's start there and uh, and take this journey back when we talk about Parmetheodus and then go forward. But first I want to give you this and see if this connects. Five years ago, I was watching a television program, and on it was uh, the Surgeon General talking about how good our healthcare system was in the United States. And several other physicians were citing in that we had the best medical care, and we, if you're going to be sick, better to be sick in America than anywhere else. <laughs> now that that's odd, that doesn't ring true. <laughs> so I collected a group of physicians and scientists, and the physicians are in themselves scientists and academics, professors as well as MDs, board certified, and myself. And we began a full-time effort. And at the end of three years, we had assembled a paper, all completely documented, showing that the number one cause of death and injury in America was medicine. And we called the paper Death by Medicine. We sent it to 7,000 members of the American media, every single major medical um, and, and scientific publication, every member of Congress received it. Not one single reply. I mean not one. In the study in the opening page, we cite that 800,000 Americans, that's the most conservative figure from Professor LePay at Harvard, and by the way, I only used mainstream statistics from the major medical organizations and compiled them together to show how many people were injured and, and killed. In a 10-year period, it was 8 million dead uh, and 190 million injured. Never a single panel, a hearing, a meeting, no group got together and says, gee whiz, if we've killed 8 million Americans and injured 190 million who didn't need to be injured or dead, shouldn't we do something to reform medicine? 
And medicine in most people's mind is healing. So when this came out, and we finally had something to challenge that some American medicine does work, emergency medicine does, but the majority does not. And it has nothing to do with healing. And, uh, and then we started asking around. So I did a survey, and I did it at Columbia University, New York University, medical schools, outside students. When people came out, I asked simple questions. What should a medical doctor know about human nature and, and healing? And all of them took a very reductionistic view. A part is broken, analyze the broken part, give a diagnosis and a treatment. And I said, but what if part of what makes a person susceptible to disease is how they feel about themselves, their emotional state, the disconnect of their spiritual values, or their, their more deeper and profound lack of intimacy and, and living a, a full life? What if they're living in the, the life of, um, of Homer, that there is a void to which you're successful in filling the void, and therefore we should judge you by how you fill your life, and therefore look at how full my life is? And that, what if that has nothing to do with true fullness of spirit? And you'd have to go to an Eastern philosophy. And I said, do you ever look at the Eastern philosophy as a, something to help guide you in how you're going to treat patients? And the answer was no. The closest thing it could come was, well, I think we have a course in acupuncture. But nothing, nothing on Taoism, nothing on Buddhism, nothing on Zen, nothing on Jainism, none of the Eastern philosophies, and nothing of the deeper ancient philosophies. It was all reductionist. So then, then when this article was published, and I published it then online because no, nobody else would even look at it, no feedback, I then realized that something is wrong, inherently wrong, in how we approach healing. And then I thought, but look at the times when people actually lived long lives, as long as we're living today, and as healthier or healthier than we did today, and how were they doing and that's where we begin to see, was there a time when if a person were sick and if they went to a person to be healed, and um, how would that healing have occurred? Could you talk about the practice of incubation? Could you talk about uh, what we learn pre-Plato, pre-Aristotle, pre-Socrates versus post-Socrates and how all that, including Hippocrates, how all that shifted how today we heal or expect to be healed from others but not ourselves and how that might have uh, been different if a person today would have been sick in, 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 in six, uh, six B, 600 uh, BC, how would that, or 6 BC, how would that have been different, okay? Yeah, good. Okay, Gary. Well, first of all, let me say this. I see more and more. I don't just retail facts. I don't just talk facts. We live in a culture not only of sickness and of hypocrisy and of pretending to heal when you're probably making people sicker or even killing them, as you say, but we live in a world of facts, which aren't really facts, but they're facts. And I don't want to be retailing more facts to add to this cacophony of facts already. What I've been seeing more and more in the work I do, I'm not just saying things, I'm actually singing a song. This is an ancient, ancient song. So please don't just listen to the facts in what I'm saying. This is the song of Western civilization, as it was a long, long time ago at the beginnings of Western culture. This is the song that has not been allowed to be heard for a long, long time. 
and you know there have been many tests already done about just singing music this can help people to heal this is an ancient ancient technique as well the therapy of of music of harmony of song this is something that can lift our spirits but can also help our bodies and i'm saying this because I don't want to come in and add to this fix-it mentality of giving you a 2,600-year-old fix-it method to add to all of the other fix-it methods that are out there. We need something more than that. And one of the things before I come to the... You mentioned incubation. You mentioned ancient Italy. Before I come to that, I just have to say something straight away. You mentioned Eastern philosophy. You asked about Eastern philosophy. That is all that most people nowadays know about the sacred or about the mystical. That is what we go to for peace, for stillness, for meditation, hopefully for some alternative healing, for something real. And I have to say, hello, why are we in this state? How have we come to this state where to look for the mystical, to look for the sacred, we have to go halfway around the world or to the Amazon jungle? Wonderful places, but how come we've forgotten that at the roots of Western civilization is an incredibly beautiful, holistic, sacred, mystical purpose. Why, why is this whole Western mess that we're in such an enormous mess? Because, what do we say? Because it needs to be made spiritual? It needs to be transformed from somewhere else? No, it's such a mess because everyone's forgotten that this spiritual well, this spiritless mess is actually profoundly spiritual. Western culture has been spiritual from the beginning. We don't have to bring anything into it. We don't even have to connect the dots. Everything has been connected already. Western civilization was sacred from the beginning. And so you ask about Italy a long time ago, southern Italy. What was happening there? What was happening there was you had people, particularly this wonderful man, Parmenides, who introduced many of the basic principles of Western civilization. And I'm talking here about the real nitty-gritty basics of Western science. I'm talking here about the discipline of logic, without which no science can exist or function. And everybody agrees, everybody knows, everybody admits, from Plato and Aristotle down to present-day college professors, Parmenides is the father of logic. But what is this logic? Why does nobody say anymore that Parmenides was given his logic when he made a journey into another world and was given his teaching by a goddess in the realms of the dead? Why do people not understand anymore that originally logic was not something to make us really smart and able to outwit the student or the teacher next to us. Originally, logic was a gift from the gods to help us to think clearly enough to lead us back to this oneness that underlies all of existence. Wasn't it also meant to transform and awaken us? But that is the transformation. Mm -hmm. If we are able, through logic, to be taken back into the world of the gods, that is the transformation. That is where we find our divinity. We don't have to be told we are divine. There's no point telling anybody they're divine. You have to just give them the ability, the possibility to discover their own divinity, and that's what these people did. And so there was particularly, as you mentioned, this ancient technique of incubation. 
And traditionally, if I could just say this, because, Gary, this is so relevant to what you were talking about, about healing and this terrible situation we're in in the modern world, incubation was, if you like, the last resort for people in the ancient world. They would go to the herbalists. They would go and try and get a quick fix, a Band-Aid for their sickness. But when all else failed, when they realized there was something serious going on that they couldn't come to grips with, with the usual human intervention, they would go and lie down in a cave or in a shrine. And this was incubation. You would lie down usually in a dark place. Traditionally, you would be taken down into the underworld. And there, and this, I think this is very, very important. I really would like to say this, and maybe we could discuss this in a minute. The principle behind incubation is exactly the same as the principle behind shamanism, which is if you are sick, you need to encounter the cause of your sickness, the spirit of the sickness. And one of the things that strikes me so much in all of this massive avoidance you were describing so beautifully, whether we're in our 30s or 70s or teens, is we are terrified of sickness. We are terrified of getting old. We're not able to face and encounter the spirits of our own darkness, whether they're psychological or physical or cultural. And so we believe everything, just as you say. But this is the process of actually being taken and being allowed to confront the divine source of our sickness. And I would add, for example, the divine source of our depression. This is something very, very important for me in the work I do. Why are we so depressed? Because the moment that the fingers of depression come up to somebody who is usually very, very sensitive, that person will run for the movie theater or for drugs or to the doctor. And we don't understand that depression actually has a sacred origin and it has a spiritual reason. The gods are terribly lonely. The, the beautiful intelligence, the divine intelligence that gave Western civilization as a gift to humanity is neglected, abused, forgotten, covered over, and it is very, very lonely. And originally what was happening back in those days was, for example, Parmenides. He is the founder of logic in the West, but he was also a healer. He was one of these priests who would take people into the darkness of themselves, who would just have them lie down and say, if you go inside your own body, you will be given the healing that you need without any of the intrusions. Just last week I had to go and have an eye test. First eye test here in the United States, it was horrific. They were doing things to dilate my pupils and they were shoving these machines in my nose and making me hurt and all of this. I mean, it was such, I thought like a, a terrified deer because that natural part of me was just cornered. And we don't understand in the modern world how to include that natural part of ourselves in the healing process. These people then did. And I think if I can just say one other thing, you mentioned southern Italy, and it's very, very important, these people who were civilization givers, they weren't just healers, but they actually gave Western civilization as a, as a possibility for healing on a great, great cosmic scale. And it has been so abused, so totally misunderstood. But these people, they were offering something whole. And you actually have, as you know, so much of Western medicine supposedly goes back to Hippocrates. And you actually have the very earliest Hippocratic Greek texts attacking these people in southern Italy and Sicily 
and saying, look how stupid these people are. They claim that in order to get better, a sick person has to understand who they are as a human being. And the Hippocratic writers, to begin with, they said, that's bullshit. Excuse my language, that is nonsense. The way to get better is you just fix the symptom. So already the modern dilemma between establishment medicine and alternative healing, it was already there. And the Hippocratics, they were denying this. They were denying the holistic approach. They were saying, no, you don't all of this stuff about having to find what you are as a human being. That's nonsense. And these healers in, in, in Sicily and in Italy, who were founders of our Western civilization, they were saying, in order to get healing, you have to understand who you are from the beginning, how you fit into the great scheme. And it's, I realize more and more when we get back to that point of looking to see who we are from the beginning, that is where we can find healing for ourselves, but also healing for our own Western civilization. Peter, could I uh, interject something? In a few oh, please, I've finished. Sorry okay. to go on so long. Is it possible that we could then re-examine the, the concept of uh, Parmedes as a hydromaticist, a pro healer prophet, a master of dreams, of other states of consciousness for receiving medical and legal wisdom, from the nameless goddess, who also considered uh, a son of Apollo, from whence comes the entire tradition of ancient healing, uh, such as uh, we have seen. And then looking at that practice of incubation, where a person lies down for hours or even days in a dark place, sometimes a room, a temple, or a cave, where one discovers the cause and the cure of their illness by facing themselves so that they're not chasing an image and, and a, a Plato looking at the shadow of oneself and trying to find oneself through the shadow and then compare that to what would later happen where the Socrates and, and Plato, Plato himself tried to establish himself as a successor of this great man and most of what we identify as being the rationalist scientific driven character of Western civilization begins with him and moves forward. And if we look at this, the pre-Socratic philosophy, it's totally different. And then you look at us today, and why I believe it's important that today I had to write that paper is because today's physician does not see themselves as a healer prophet or iatromaticist. And instead, they're seeing themselves not of deep spiritual principles grounded in altered states of consciousness, um, but instead, they're coming from the Hippocratic school, and, and sometimes the Arabic and Persian records preserve the tradition of that as a spiritual healer sage. They're coming from rationalism, and in that rationalism, the, the idea of that there is only one, the individual, and isn't that very materialistic? Isn't it reductionistic? And doesn't also show something that is not sacred when we compare our medical system and hence our healing system and hence our actualization of self system with all the others as not being sacred. So we don't look at the shaman, we don't look at the native in any culture, we don't look at Buddhism because we don't feel that there's anything we can learn. We feel, if anything, ah, we here in the West, we are superior in our reductionistic rationalism. Hence the concept of Western triumphant view as we find those looking elsewhere outside the Western civilization somehow, well, 
they are less, less, uh, less able. And so I'm concerned that anyone like yourself or many others, Laszlo and, and Rupert Sheldrake, who we've interviewed on this program, that these people are not given the insight, uh, given the credibility from their insights because they're not a part of the existing paradigm. Your thoughts, please. Well, I am a part of the existing paradigm, and I am more a part of the existing paradigm than any academic or scientist or doctor that I could name or you could bring to me. And I really have to say this because I think this is maybe the first thing that this is the first and also the most important thing that I can possibly offer. In the Western world, we professionals don't have a leg to stand on. The whole thing is a fraud. There is no tradition of Western rationalism in itself. Western rationalism is purely a misunderstanding of Western logic. And Western logic is based on not just an understanding, but an experience of the oneness of all of life. So there is no valid alternative to the Eastern or shamanic or holistic or alternative traditions. The Western rational tradition is a fake. It is based on a misunderstanding of what Western civilization used to be and was meant to be. And I think really the... the, the the key factor here, if I could try and say this, Gary, because this is really so important, it was so important then and it's so important now, the key factor is ego. You see, you, you mentioned a minute ago laws. What is so important is that through this state of incubation, through this state of going into the depths of oneself, which is basically a practice of surrender, not even a yoga or meditation practice of sitting in the lotus position or some posture. You just lie down and surrender. You give way to something greater than yourself. You sink into your body. And out of this ancient practice of incubation, healing was given to the individual. The principles for a whole culture could be given to a human being. So, for example, the principles of logic or the basics of many scientific disciplines could be given and were given through this state of very, very deep meditative incubation, but also traditionally laws were given through incubation. And this is very, very interesting. If you look at the difference between that and politics nowadays, this is something that is totally off the charts for a, a modern civilized person, your, your average Westerner. But what used to, the way in which laws used to be given was that somebody, usually the most unlikely person, a shepherd or someone very, very humble, not the president, not the vice president or anyone, but someone just totally humble, ignored by anybody, would have a dream or have a deep mystical experience and be visited by a goddess or a god who would give the laws for that particular city or state. And then that person would very humbly go along and tell the other villagers or citizens, and they would listen and they would hear the ring of truth. And once that person was accepted, those laws were enshrined as the laws of the city. Those laws would come from another state. And it was very, very clear, very explicit principle. No person was allowed to change those laws here or there. Nobody was allowed to meddle or fiddle. You couldn't add anything. You couldn't take anything away. That is how it came. That's how it must be kept. 
This, if you like, is the ancient wisdom beyond the ego. This is also not just the wisdom that gives laws. It is the law. It is the wisdom that gives healing. It is the wisdom that gives understanding. And this is the, the wisdom behind rationalism. This is the real logic. This is the logic that takes us back, not to the ego, but beyond the ego, to this greater oneness behind. Hmm. That's very profound, and I appreciate that. Two more thoughts um, uh, that I would like you to take uh, to us. <coughs> when we wake up in the morning, when we awaken, do we ever stop for a moment and think, have I lost connection with the knowledge of who I am or of what we are as a species? And yet think of the energy we placed upon our fear of loss without ever asking, am I the first casualty? Have I lost my sense of self? I would like for you to address that first. Then there is another man that we should give some attention to because he has received very little um, in, in modern times, and of course, except for philosophers like yourself. And that was the, the man who is a native of Sicily and born just a few years after uh, Parmenides, and who wrote an epic verse. And he introduced the theory of the four elements into Western world, thus con is considered one of the fathers of chemistry, biology, cosmology, and psychology. And... Uh, and Infidatilis. And I'd like for you to talk about these two because also he has been um, misunderstood. He has been, um, he has been, uh, in effect, he has been altered from what his original thoughts were about the powerful uh, meditation techniques and the practice of awareness based upon our becoming conscious about how we use our senses. And think of it in this context. I'm going to bring it back to context so it makes sense to people. Let's say you, you go in to see your doctor and, uh, or your healer. How often does a person say, how do you feel? What do you feel? What is your awareness of what you're feeling? Now, in our current medical model, which is based upon the uh, Hippo Hippocratic school of reductionistic thinking, that is considered empirical, hence of no scientific value. And yet, when I'm sitting across from a patient, and I ask, how do you feel about yourself? That's very important what they will answer because they're connecting their senses. And when I get them to look at the authentic sense, and I ask them, I ask all the people I sit with one thing, empty your mind and it will reveal everything. And first they think, what, what's that mean? Empty my mind and it will reveal everything. And I said, just begin everything with appreciation that today you're going to look into your life to see the connections you have with yourself and do so with appreciation. When, because when you begin something with appreciation, then everything is, is better. And how can we live in the present when we're obsessed by the future? And so many people are so obsessed by fear, the fear of not being connected, the fear of not having the right relationship, the fear of not uh, succeeding, the fear of failing, the fearing of loss. And all this is a part of that latter bastardized philosophy that has nothing to do with the people who actually created the most pure and powerful philosophies. And the, my last thought, and then I'll turn this over to you, is that, and this may see, seem far afield, but please uh, be patient with this thought, uh, 
I believe that, um, that to seek healing, if we were in one of the pre-Socratic uh, healing centers, it would be done with different principles. And at some point, for reasons uh, that, the, that we have not always understood, Western science and materialism, materialism focused together, and so we became materialistically, scientifically reductionistic, and we lost this quantum capacity to appreciate the spirit, the other world, uh, energy connections. And of course, the medieval period, we could say that the church was hardly materialistic or scientifically driven. It was otherworldly and myth- mythologically and in an almost hallucinatory manner. So it seems to be at great odds with thinking there is a continuum of rationalistic, materialistic thinking stemming from Greek philosophy to the present. So how does the entire episode of Christian dominance play into our current rationalist-driven culture that denies a spiritual dimension here and now, where I don't have to you know, do penance, I don't have to do anything, I am in this second, without uttering another word, I am the spiritual center of my world, and I don't have to go and do six Hail Marys, or I don't have to go through absolution in order to obtain something at a different point. Does any of that make sense to you? Yes, of course. Yes, Gary. It's beautiful what you say. But I mean, to me, it all comes down to this fundamental difference between the reality of spirit and the dogma of spirit. And if you experience the reality of the Christ, there, there is nothing more, more subtle, more, more humble, more, more a part of the world around you, whether it's a part of the trees and nature or whether it's a part of the, the tarmac and the artificial lighting of, of some town in the southeast of the United States. It doesn't matter. That is the spirit of the Christ, totally accessible, totally real. And that's completely different from what the Church has made the Spirit of Christ into. And it's really exactly the same dynamic with these ancient Greeks, who, for me, are so important, as well as Christ, beyond Christ, as well as Christianity, even reaching back further than Christianity, because this is a sacred tradition. I have to try and say this again, because I don't think anybody talks about this. So it's important, very important, to try and get over This is a sacred tradition that doesn't just create a religion. This is a sacred tradition that creates a civilization. And we happen to be still in and actually at the tail end of that civilization now. Uh, This is a spiritual tradition that brings all of these extraordinary, convoluted cultural phenomena into existence. And as you so rightly said, it has to do a great deal with the senses. We have lost contact with the senses. We have, have come to use the senses. We believe we are using the senses, but we're actually being used by them. Empedocles, the Sicilian whom you mentioned, he taught how to use the senses consciously, not to be dragged along by them, but actually to be able to use the senses to experience that spiritual reality in the world around us and inside us at the same time. But we have lost that. And I think, you know, you started off so beautifully talking about when we wake up in the morning and this fear of loss, this tremendous fear. We don't know what it is, this loss of what? Loss of ourselves, loss of our savings, loss of God knows what. And I think it's somehow very important for me to, if I can just make this contribution, to say 
we have this terrible fear of loss because we have lost so much. This fear of loss, it's not conscious, and we, we're afraid of losing this or that or that, a relationship or our job or something. But in fact, we've lost so much more. This Western civilization was a gift. It had a sacred purpose. There is something spiritual in the DNA of this civilization. And while we live our little egoistic, materialistic, hypocritical lives, forgetting where the civilization comes from, which is the same as forgetting where we come from, then we have lost more than we can possibly imagine. We've not just lost our own lives. We've lost the possibility to bring something beautiful and real into this world. And the key for these people was the senses. The senses have to be included, just as you say. How do you feel? Can you feel? Not just how do you feel, can you feel? Sometimes we're so much in our minds, sometimes especially when we're sick, we're so terrified we can't feel anything. And how can we get better when we can't even feel, when we can't use our senses? When we can't begin to use our senses in a gentle way where we can be informed by the sound of the birds, by what we hear, where we can be informed by the sound of the leaves, by the sound of the rain, by the different perception of the colors. All of this has a healing capacity, but we've lost that. Hmm. At a time when we are told, trust the cult of the professional because it is, it is most rational, I must ask, is it not reason, just similarly to common sense, that we must focus on and not see our reason and not see our common sense or intuitive understanding through the eyes of those who are, are with cataract? They do not have the vision we need. Their reason is linear. Yeah. And what they think is responsible, I consider irresponsible. And I am appalled. If nothing else, if we went back 2,600 years, we were given gifts. We were given gifts of insight, of healing, of oneness with one and all, of universal consciousness, of altered states, of multiple energies, of at least seven different sensory energies, not the six we have focused on. And from that gift we were given, those in authority, through their own hubris and ego, converted that gift into a box that doesn't open and yet just the effort at opening the box is supposed to make us feel valued or rewarded and it was open at the beginning and we have spent our time wasted in trying to open it we should go back to that prehistoric day final thought please peter how true my dear how true but i would just say very brief very final thought you mentioned common sense and in in my most recent book, Reality, the whole final section of this book is about what common sense originally was. Please look at the expression. I remember the first time I was told as a little boy, use your common sense. And I was one of those boys who actually caused trouble because I'd ask, what do you mean? Because I didn't understand. And if I didn't understand something, I'd ask. I actually got into trouble at school for doing that, asking what these words meant. I'd be, you know, Teachers would get very angry because I'd ask, I'd ask, what does it mean? And nobody else had the guts to ask. Common sense is one of these nonsensical expressions. We're supposed to know what it means. It means common sense. And this is how Aristotle actually, he had this term, 
Koine Isis, that is the Greek, which then goes into the Latin, which then goes into the English common sense. We do not know anymore what common sense means. Originally, common sense was a meditation technique for bringing all our senses together again. And that is just a beautiful example of how everything in this culture now is a distortion, an abuse, a manipulation, a misunderstanding. It has no authenticity. It has no integrity in its own right. Western materialism is purely based on a misunderstanding of the sacred, on a distortion and a deviation from it. That is all. And if we can go back from our modern confusion about what does common sense mean? We think we know what common sense is. You can look it up in a dictionary, sure. If we can go back to the real meaning of common sense and start to do these techniques again, these practices of becoming truly conscious in our bodies and in the world around us, that is when we can find the healing and also a greater sense of purpose and also see how this whole world now is just an empty shell. I appreciate your input today very much. Peter Kingsley, thank you very much for being with us today. And hopefully people will take the time and read your book. And uh, the books, by the way, include The Dark Places of Wisdom, Ancient Philosophy, Myth and Magic, and uh, the newest book, which is a, a primer on a philosophy and of this type, Dark Places of Wisdom in Reality. Thank you very much.